0: gentlemen good afternoon welcome in how's it going um i'm sitting in an air-conditioned room that's at about 65 degrees so for me it's fine are you guys heat people or cold people
1: i'm a heat person you are it depends on the situation
2: yeah the
1: only yeah like
2: if i'm wearing a suit it can get a little bit annoying but um yeah we're sitting in a nicely air-conditioned studio but i was in the pool all morning i kind of you know, as soon as this is over, I'm going to run right back to the pool and uh, open up a cold beer. Yeah, I hate to ever Cotted. be
0: with a partner who is not wearing a sweater around the hers, house, house. cursing my name at every possible opportunity. It's
1: freezing. I like cold a in I like there. a cold house. Yeah, I like a cold house.
0: Except the, except I'm one of these clowns in the bedroom. We'll turn on an electric blanket and just stick my nose out of the out of the, the you know <laughs> out of the blanket in the sixty degree room. So. <laughs> It certainly is. I'm really shocked, actually, you guys aren't doing this from a deck somewhere. I, it really would be not in the least bit surprising to find out you guys were sitting at the end of a key maybe somewhere. Next, maybe yeah, next, we week, you maybe really next week we should do that. Maybe next week should do that. The technology does allow. Um, we are going to be talking about something that, ironically, I emailed Matthew about a couple of weeks ago off air because... I honestly didn't understand the difference, and I also didn't want to, you know, corral us into a conversation where it became apparent that I didn't understand the difference. But from what I understand, this week we're going to be talking about the difference between banks, credit unions, and um, basically the other guys, shall we say, uh, and, and, and just where, they, where everyone falls into, you know, a, a spot along
2: that line. Is that a reasonable description? Listen. Yeah. First off, we know you don't know anything about mortgages. That's why we love you. Yes. Well. And I I will not. I will not exceed your expectations, which is a beautiful thing. And yeah, it's 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 actually there's a lot of um, there's a lot of really interesting parts to how the mortgage market operates in Canada, how it is balanced or was more balanced, and some of the events that have taken place over the last. 30, 40 years that have mm. changed it and perhaps skewed it to be a little more in favor of the Canadian banks uh, in the name of stability. Um, there are a bunch of different players in the market. There's you know, the Canadian banks, obviously, which dominate the mortgage market as far as lending goes. Um, credit unions who are regulated a little bit differently and in uh, many cases can probably stretch your mortgage approval limit a little bit more. Mm. And then there are mortgage finance companies. And if you deal with a broker, uh, in a lot of cases, they will try to steer you to a mortgage finance company. And that is partially because of interest rate, but more because of the way their mortgages are structured. Mortgage finance companies have penalties that are calculated in a different fashion from most of the Canadian banks and are typically significantly less when you're looking to break a mortgage. They also, and we spoke about this a little bit last week, there there is no rate discounting with a mortgage finance company. With a Canadian bank, you have a posted rate and then you have the rate that the client can negotiate for themselves the discounted rate, if you will. Whereas with mortgage finance companies, the advertised rate on the website is the rate that the customer gets is the discounted rate. It's one interest rate, one interest rate that calculates the penalty one interest rate that goes to the consumer. There's no difference. Um, So there, there isn't that level of gamesmanship that you see when you're dealing with a Canadian bank. Unfortunately um, in 2016, um, the mortgage finance companies were dealt a really serious blow by the liberal government and the to- at the time the minister of finance that impacted their ability to operate. I can I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. So mm-hmm. this is like total mortgage geek stuff, but it really really is interesting. So um, in so there's something called portfolio insurance. There was something called portfolio insurance. Portfolio insurance allowed comp- It was it was created in 1987, 88, something like under Mulroney. And the the idea behind it was to introduce a way for more competition to enter the Canadian mortgage market. Up until that point, if you wanted to lend money in Canada, you probably had to be a bank because the banks had a reputation and a balance sheet that allowed them To borrow money much cheaper than anybody else. And if they lent a mortgage, they could provide the security of the mortgage in addition to the security of the bank. And as a result, their borrowing power and the cost of their capital was significantly less than anybody else could ever possibly be. So what Mulroney and the then Minister of Finance did, they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to introduce a program where if Canadians have they have more than 20% equity in their home. So typically a mortgage that wouldn't go to CMHC. And as we know, CMHC is a crown corporation. Uh, it is, is quite profitable. And their goal, uh, as, we, as most of us know it, is to help Canadians afford a home. And typically it's people, and now it is only people that are buying a home that have less than 20% to put as a down payment. Hmm. That's an insured mortgage. Portfolio insurance was brought in to insure mortgages where the consumer had greater than 20% equity. So think about a person who has a home that is $800,000, that has $400,000 worth of equity built up in that home. So they only have a $400,000 mortgage. They would have, previous to July of 2016, from 1987 to 2016, they would have qualified for something called portfolio insurance. Portfolio insurance allowed any lender, not just a bank, to utilize the balance sheet of the Canadian government, essentially the guarantee of the Canadian government through CMHC, to access the lowest cost capital available. What this did is it spurned innovation. It created companies that are now you know billion-dollar companies in Canada, like First National, uh, MCAP. Um, Merrick's Financial, uh, Street Capital. There's so many of these, they're called mortgage finance companies that came into the marketplace and they used innovation. They used amazing customer service technology to capture large chunks of the Canadian mortgage market because they could compete on an equal footing on price with the Canadian banks because they had the ability to ensure the mortgages that they were doing, not just the mortgages for people who were putting down less than 20%, but also the people that were putting down or putting down or had greater than 20% equity in their home. This created competition. This decreased mortgage rates. This was very, very healthy for the Canadian mortgage market. Then in 2000, end of 2008, beginning of 2009, we saw a massive, massive liquidity crisis in the Canadian real estate market. We saw a lot of fear in the Canadian banks. And there's a really good judge of how fearful banks are of each other and the market. It's the interbank borrowing rate, LIBOR, uh, or the overnight. So the the banks, it's the price the banks demand in order to leave money with another bank for an evening. Mm -hmm. And what happened was this, this price spiked and a lot of uncertainty came into the market and the banks needed to shore up liquidity. They needed to increase available capital on their balance sheets. This portfolio insurance product that was developed in 1987 and was entirely uh, built to create competition in the mortgage market outside of the Canadian banks was utilized by the Canadian banks to shore up their liquidity. So what they did was Canadian banks have uninsured mortgages, mortgages where people have Greater than twenty percent equity in their home, and then they have insured mortgages—the ones that we conventionally know of through CMHC with less than twenty percent down. They took all their uninsured mortgages, not all of them, but like in some cases, Scotia Bank sold or, or or pushed in one hundred and fifty billion dollars worth of uninsured portfolio insurable mortgages into this program, and they filled it up because the program is capped. It typically. Uh, the cmhc has to ask the federal government to increase the cap and the cap at the time was at 600 billion dollars it had just been increased from 450 billion dollars what happened with all of this new portfolio insured mortgage product flowing in to this portfolio insurance product it came very close to its cap now this was very likely the riskiest time in the canadian mortgage market we saw property values drop we saw you know, a a really, really stale period of time. It didn't last long. It was about six to nine months, but it was very scary for the banks. And the banks and the Bank of Canada and the government of Canada decided that the best thing for the financial system would be to open up this portfolio insurance product and tell the banks, just dump everything in here. We'll put it on our balance sheet. The Canadian taxpayer will assume the risk. We'll give you liquidity so that you can continue to lend out money. And at the time, made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. The problem is in 2020, uh, 2016, the then Minister of Finance, Bill Morneau, with what must have been a playbook from the Canadian Bank, said, well, we feel as though this portfolio insurance product, which is now nearing its $600 billion cap, is unfair to the Canadian taxpayer. Now, keep in mind, The Canadian taxpayer took in all the risk in 2008 and 2009. So all these mortgages that the banks were really, really worried about, they dumped into this portfolio insurance product at a time when very likely property values were low to the point where some of those mortgages might not even qualified. They filled up the product. And then (laughs) seven, eight years later, property values were almost double. Mm. The minister of finance came out and said, "Mm, "This is a bad idea. We don't want the Canadian taxpayer assuming the risk for all of these mortgages, so they got rid of portfolio insurance as a product.
0: We started off the show, and uh, Marcus pointed. I said a great thing. I mean, I said I know nothing about mortgages. He said, "Yes, that's what we like about you." And I'll do another <laughs> for a couple of compliments. <laughs> but the reality is, I think I am with the vast, vast majority of listeners. and this is something that you know, every every hopefully every twenty five years, whatever, every five years you might think of, but but by no means, I, I think, do people actually understand what is going on out there. And Marcus, I will get back to your story, but just to, to illustrate that point, I mean, up until, honestly, a few weeks ago, I was one of those clowns you'd talk to who honestly, legitimately believed that the bank had my best interest at heart. And it wasn't until a very, very senior executive at another bank that I was whining about my existing bank with put his arm around me and said, dude, the minute you get above the branch level, they could not care less about you. You're an, you're an interference. It's, it's the old, it would be a great job if it wasn't for the client's um, attitude out there. They're responsible to their share, shareholders. The branches, very, very you know conscientious, trying to do the best they can for you. But as soon as it's out of their hand, it's an entirely different world. And boy, did I ever find that out the hard way.
2: Yeah, it's listen. It's it's a business. That's the way it's run. It's uh, and it's they've been doing it for a long time, and they're extremely successful at it. And this story that I'm telling you about the history Mm. of portfolio insurance speaks to uh, just even how strong they are at lobbying the government. Oh yeah. So uh, just to finish it off, like this portfolio insurance product, which was brought in, had a 600 billion dollar cap, was brought in to create competition and lower interest rates for the Canadian taxpayer. 75 percent of Canadians own a home. Right, like this is a that's a taxpayer. So if we're talking about protecting the taxpayer, uh, we stuck the taxpayer with a massive risk in 2009 by letting the banks dump all of their uninsured mortgages into this portfolio insurance product, and then in 2016, when the risk level of that portfolio insurance product had been, you know, dropped significantly to like you know zero risk because of how much values had appreciated we decided to abolish the program. And what that did is it hamstrung all of these mortgage finance companies. And now the result is something that every single Canadian taxpayer sees whenever they try to get a mortgage. Because the mortgage interest rate on a person who has greater than 20% equity in their home is higher than that for a person who wants to put down less than 20% and what it has resulted in is it basically shifted the balance of power in what was once a totally fair market squarely into the hands of the banks, because the banks control the capital that's being utilized for all of those mortgages. They, you know, these, these mortgage finance companies have to rely on these banks. So when the increased cost of capital came in for these mortgage finance companies to lend money where they previously had this portfolio insurance product interest rates increased and the banks just kind of sat back they looked to see how much more expensive it would be for their competitors to operate in this market and then once they realized where the rates were going to settle which is now you know 25 to 50 basis points higher they just pegged their own rates there and then immediately in the next quarter after that July 2016 announcement, something called, we talked about it a little bit two weeks ago, something called net interest margins, NIMS spiked up right away. Wow. That spike up that we saw, that increase in profitability, was just a big present handed from the liberal government and you know and the Minister of Finance at the time over to the Canadian banks. <laughs> and Who bore that expense? None other than the Canadian taxpayer (laughs) who we are purporting to be helping. Anyways, listen, the more you dig in to the way this market behaves, the more pissed off you're going to get. So if you're listening right now and you have a mortgage and you have a question, call in. It's our favorite thing to do. Like we do it all week. And we are not sick of it. So we come on the radio on Sundays mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we could do more of it.
0: <laughs> Phone lines are open. 416-872-1010. 416-872-1010. You can give us a call. So I have the, the Justin Turner uh, wedding reception GoFundMe page going. Are you suggesting Amazing. maybe I should just shut down the Bank of Canada GoFundMe page?
2: So they're okay? You know, listen, the Bank of Canada uh, might need some help. Uh, I, I, maybe if they continue to, uh, to on their fiscal and monetary stimulus plans, um, maybe uh, you should maybe put something together for Trudeau so he can get a majority.
0: 416-872-1010. Sarah is in Toronto. Sarah, good afternoon. Welcome in. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hmm. Um, so my $400,000 mortgage is coming up for renewal and I'm currently talking to my bank and a broker. Uh, for some reason, I'm still waiting for the bank to finalize the new renewal rate, uh, but the broker was quick to give me one and suggest I go with MCAP. I think that's it uh, they're offering okay, a yeah. 1.84, and my old rate is 319. And I, I, guess, I just want your advice. I don't really know who they are, but my broker seems pretty confident that I should go with them. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. Okay. So the perfect example, MCAP is a mortgage finance company, previously, um, With the portfolio insurance product, uh, you know, they did extremely well. They're still continuing to do well. You're getting a really competitive rate offered Mm -hmm. to you right now on your mortgage, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The difference between MCAP and whoever your bank is, is that when you take a fixed rate with MCAP and in the event that you break that mortgage, you will not be exposed to the same interest rate differential penalty that the banks will levy upon you. And we went through that a couple episodes ago, but those penalties on a $400,000 mortgage, like for instance, you're a 3.18. If you were looking to break a $400,000 mortgage and you had three years left at 3.18, you'd probably be in the $20,000 range for a penalty. A lot. Whereas with MCAP, if you had that 184 and you were going to break it, you'd probably be looking at just paying three months worth of interest on that mortgage, which uh, 1630 probably end up being about $2,200. So you always have to consider the exit of your mortgage, because again, like we say, 70% of all mortgages get broken before the maturity date. Now, as far as the security of the lender, first of all, your mortgage is a debt to you. It's an asset to the lender. So if a lender goes bankrupt, and I can't think of any example of a mortgage finance company ever having gone bankrupt. Like they're, they are a collection of assets. They're a collection of people's mortgages and they service those mortgages. So if, if like for the first time ever, a mortgage finance company went bankrupt and your mortgage was held with them, all that would happen would be your mortgage with all of the standard charge terms, all of the details of that contract would just be transferred over to another lender. So your mortgage would survive. I mean, the worst case thing that could ever happen would be maybe your mortgage would get forgotten about, but I don't think anybody's going to forget about it. <laughs> so you don't have to worry. It's this, like, it's this horrible thought process that Canadians have, where they say, like I would prefer my mortgage to be with a big, strong bank. Mm. that makes billions and billions of dollars worth of profits. Well, unfortunately, you're going to pay for that privilege. You're going to pay for it in an inflated interest rate. You're going to pay for it in a huge penalty. Another example, if let's say you were going for a variable rate right now and you were going for a variable rate with a your bank versus MCAP in this case, that variable rate with MCAP affords you an amazing opportunity that your mortgage with your bank would never afford you. Because once you take a variable rate with a mortgage finance company, you know what the fixed rate you're going to lock into is on the day that you want to lock in because it's the same interest rate they're offering new clients to come on board. It's not some different rate where you know, the banks calculate the rate they're going to offer you. If you're an existing client and you have a variable interest rate, the bank is going to offer you an inflated fixed rate based on the calculation of what the penalty to break your existing variable rate mortgage is, wow. So I'd say those are the top three things for me. Number one, if you're getting a variable rate mortgage with a mortgage finance company, there's no fooling around. You know, when you're going to lock into a fixed rate, what that fixed rate is going to be. Number two, you're not going to have to deal with the penalty. The penalty is, I mean, it, it, it really is a killer in any of these situations. Mm. and And finally- you're you're dealing with a mortgage finance company, you're dealing with a set of interest rates that are published, not something that's hidden. So I in. would, you're, yeah.
0: Good or bad, quickly. Sarah, good shape, bad
2: shape, sounds competitive offer. Sarah's in great shape. Take the MCAP yeah, offer. Shape. It's a great interest rate. You're going to love them. They're a great lender. We do a ton of business with them. Um, and if you want, like, we'll, we're happy to look over it. But it sounds like your broker is doing an amazing job for you. And I'm not surprised that your bank isn't getting back to you because you probably told your bank you had a 184. And the worst thing a bank can do, in my opinion, to their customers is not to tell them they're declined, but not to tell them anything.
0: Jake in Toronto. Good afternoon, Jake. How you doing? Hey, guys. I'm kind of hot today. How are you guys doing?
2: too hot. Good. Same. I'm, I'm We're going to do next show hate, from but. from a pool. We're going to do okay. the next show in a pool.
0: Nice. Everyone's invited to Marcus's deck for the next show. We're going to do it live. Yes, perfect. we well, they're live. All right. Anyway, um, Jack, uh, Jack, what's your question? Jake, sorry. So, I, I'm thinking about taking that
2: plunge, switching from my bank to like, uh, I don't know what you, the right term is, but I guess the non-banks, and I mean, well, I do a lot of the time feel like I'm getting screwed by my bank when it comes to rates and, and fees and whatnot, but one thing I can say is, like, you log into your online banking, your information's already ready ready at, like, click of a mouse. You can walk into a bank, uh, they're already happy to greet me, always happy to greet me, I can sit down, talk to somebody, answers are always there. Now, I know you guys, and, like, those non-banks can beat the banks in terms of rates, but can you sort of, like, match that service aspect? Because that's important to me, it's important to a lot of people, I think. Okay, this is great. So you are getting great access to data from your bank unfortunately the data that you're getting from your bank the information that you get when you go into the bank is designed to make the bank more profitable not to make you save money Mm -hmm. and with connect just with uh, just with our brokerage you receive a suite of tools that allow you to optimize your mortgage on a daily basis so, I mean, this is something that's proprietary to us, but you know, we're constantly monitoring every single borrower's mortgage, so you'll know if there's ever an instance where the interest rate that you have on your mortgage could be bettered with another product. So every time a product changes in the marketplace, it updates our entire database and it sends out notifications to the customers to say, "Hey, um Jake, you know, your 3% five-year fixed rate mortgage, which is maturing in three years, we've calculated the penalty to be $15,150. However, we noticed by switching you to a 1.7% five-year fixed rate mortgage, you will save $21,000 over the next three years. You're never going to get that from a bank because the bank wants to keep your mortgage because if it's not profitable for you, it's more profitable for them. That's number one. Number two, the mortgage finance companies that we're talking about, they were built on customer service. They were built on technology. Before any bank ever had a portal for you to log into, First National had a product called Merlin that allowed its borrowers to log in and have a look at their mortgage, have a look at their balance, make a prepayment, um, ask questions. Like The amount of, and I'll get back to this, the amount of innovation that that portfolio insurance product, that that mandate under the conservative government of Mulroney in 1987, what what that did for our mortgage industry was so helpful. And it it went so far in creating so many innovative Canadian companies, which were definitely hamstrung, hamstrung by this last 2016 cut of the portfolio insurance product. But all of these companies know what the consumer wants. And you're gonna find with any of these mortgage finance companies, the same suite of tools, if not more. The only issue is Canada is behind in something called open banking. So there's a movement all around the world right now where banks are allowing a customer's information to be shared through various platforms to the customer. So you can have products at different banks if you were in Germany or in the United States or, you know, the European Union is fantastic. They're far ahead of us in open banking. And this is actually what's been identified as a threat to our fintech business here in Canada because the Canadian banks are stymieing any process of any progress of open banking so that they can continue to control the Canadian consumer. But what that's doing is it's preventing a lot of these innovative Canadian fintechs from using these open banking platforms to creating amazing products that can be shared all over the world. So we're probably missing out on the next phase of innovation and fintech. We're hamstringing now, not only our mortgage finance companies, but also some amazing and ingenious fintech options that we have that could be created right here in Canada because we're favoring the lobbying powers of the Canadian banks in preventing open banking from ever seeing the light of day in Canada. So in an ideal world, and I guarantee it'll happen within the next 15 years, it'll happen in the European Union a year ago, like maybe four years ago, it happened in the European Union. It's happening in the United States. It's happening all over the world. Canada, I mean, 10, 15 years, we might get there when we're embarrassed about it. But what you're seeing everywhere else in the world is the ability to share financial information amongst various financial institutions through a third party, non-biased platform where you can access all of your financial data. Connect has built a portal like that that we offer to our customers, but we're just a small player in this business, right? And it really needs the backing of a federal government who wants to further fintech and wants to further access and unbiased information transferring to the Canadian consumer. And right now it's unfortunate, but the lobbying power of the Canadian banks is just far too great to, to allow access to open banking in Canada. So in answer to your question, there's a really long-winded answer. And if you're listening to this radio show more often now, you'll see that I have lots of long-winded answers. <laughs> but in answer to your question, you're going to get better information out of a mortgage finance company or a good broker that has a platform that you can utilize, you might be able to log in and access your bank account information and your mortgage information all in one spot with your bank. But the information that you're going to be getting from them is not tailored to save you money. It's tailored to keep you there as a customer and to squeeze as much out of you as as they can. Cool. Thank you. Motivations don't change, right, Jake? Motivations don't change. Just because they have a great commercial and they tell you that they've got an amazing <laughs> web portal and you can have an app on your phone, it's just another way to screw with you.
1: Mm.
2: You know what? They remind me of the telecom and uh, TV industry. funny When you started saying that the, TV uh, industry, the federal man. government backs them. They yeah, I mean, think about sure, yeah. it. Exactly. Like, Jake, I appreciate you know, th- the
0: call, buddy. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Sorry, Marcus. Go on.
2: Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. I thought you were going to cut me off if I was no, going no, well, to based on structure, based on the ownership uh, well, structure, exactly. well, well, yeah, the ownership said, structure yeah. of the uh, radio station. But what, what I will say is about? why is it that Canada has the highest cell phone costs in the entire oh, yeah. world? Yeah. Like, why is it that you can go to like Algeria and <laughs> Egypt and pay less for unlimited data than you pay for it in Canada?
1: My cab driver, when I was in Jamaica recently, he pays yeah. $15 a month, and it's unlimited everything. He I, can think do pay he I think i I
2: pay $300 a month for my cell phone
0: bill.
1: Yeah, I'm like over 100 yeah.
0: The opinions expressed in this broadcast are not necessarily... <laughs> <laughs> okay, before I get killed on text, I'm being funny and silly. I'm not- oh, yeah, well, you work really not allowed to say that kind of stuff. I have yet to get a memo from anyone saying, don't talk about this. So I was just being silly. Tina is in Mississauga this afternoon. Tina, thanks for calling. Welcome in. Oh, hi, and thank you, Justin, for your candid uh, responses. It's just so enlightening. Um, My question is,
2: I have a... Uh, um, Excuse me, Tina. What are my responses? Not kidding. Oh, here we go. I'm sorry. (laughs) It it was Marcus. No, (laughs) that's fine. Honestly, I'm I'm, going to get out of here early. Tina, can
0: we start the call again and you say, just in case this ends up in a promo, hey, Marcus and Justin... Oh, perfect. I'm so sorry. Yes, of course. <laughs> kidding. We're just pulling your leg. Go ahead. What's your question? Just joking. We're just kidding. Okay. Hi there. So my question is, I have a $344,000 mortgage. It's with one of the big five banks, um, the red one. And uh, the interest rate is 3.69. <laughs> 3. Maturity date is a year and a half from now. And my question is, should I be renewing or should I be doing something like a HELOC?
1: I'm not going to answer. Well, uh, so, I mean, listen (laughs) with your mortgage coming up for renewal so soon. So if you go to, if you go to your bank, always use your (laughs) bank. Um, what they're going to do is they're, they're going to offer you the first thing that they're going to offer you is a blended rate. And that blended rate is going to be, um, is going to be exactly what actually Marcus was speaking about earlier, where they kind of work in the penalty to your new rate. Um, and the rate that they start off with to, to cal- create that calculation is going to be, it's not going to be a good rate, right? So um, what's your property worth?
0: Um, one over one Approximately.
1: million. Approximately. Over one million. Okay. So, so I would suggest that, you know, we run some numbers because with your mortgage maturing next year, there's going to be a penalty. It's not going to be astronomical, but there will definitely be a penalty. We can figure out exactly what that is. Um, so the savings, I just
2: ran the numbers. the savings for you to switch to whatever the lowest fixed rate right now would be for the next one and a half years in the next one and a half years, you would save ten thousand five hundred bucks. So, if your penalty is ten thousand five hundred dollars or less, it's probably gonna make sense. It's gonna make sense for two reasons. Number one, you're gonna be in a lower interest rate. You're gonna be paying your mortgage down faster. Number two, your interest rate will then become that five year, new five year fixed rate, that lower rate of 1.7 for another three and a half years. So one, one and a half years from today, I think we can all anticipate that interest rates will be higher than they are right now. So you'll be insulating yourself from that interest rate shock one and a half years out, which is never to be underestimated as a, as a benefit, especially in a climate like we have right now where there's rampant inflation. So, um, like you're there's there are ways to work with scotia bank i i don't want to see you pay a penalty so i would say get on the phone with justin or someone here at the office and let's we'll figure out the exact amount of that penalty we'll figure out how we might be able to use prepayment privileges Mm -hmm. or there's there are definitely ways to reduce that penalty uh, and if we can get it down to 3 months worth of interest on a $340,000 um payment you're going to be sub $2,000 as a penalty and then it's a total slam dunk move the what you're going to be offered by your bank will either be a blend or it'll be differing mortgages right like they kind of they'll get you further in so they'll say well we'll give you a new 5 year fixed rate at 1.7% for another portion of the mortgage. And that mm-hmm. way one mm-hmm. part of your mortgage will mature in one and a half years, another part will mature in five years, and you will be totally, totally chained to the radiator there. Mm-hmm. Like
0: Okay, and what do you think of a
2: HELOC? I think it's a great idea. If if you so the idea behind a HELOC is flexibility. So if you are if you are planning to pay off a mortgage within, I think the break-even is is about seven months, then you should take a HELOC. If you aren't, you should take some combination of a variable rate mortgage and a HELOC. HELOC leaves you exposed to increases in prime, which probably we will not see for the next little bit. But a variable rate mortgage is always going to be at least 1% lower than whatever the HELOC is. So the penalty to break a variable rate mortgage is absorbed, is, is saved by the lower interest rate of a variable rate mortgage by the seven month mark, if you compare it to a home equity line of credit. So home equity line of credit, is typically prime or prime plus a half. Variable rate is going to be prime minus one. So it's between one and one and a half percent of a discount off the HELOC. So if there's an amount of money that you plan on holding as debt for a period of time longer than seven months, that should very, very likely almost always be in a variable rate mortgage. If you want flexibility to draw and pay down, you've got a ton of equity in your home. Just add a HELOC on top at a zero balance and utilize it whenever you may or may not require it. But what I wouldn't do is crystallize. Like You've already got this $340,000 worth of debt. Don't flip that into a HELOC. You're just going to increase your carrying costs on it, Your, your actual carrying costs. It might be cheaper for you to service the debt because you'll only be paying interest but you're only really benefiting the bank by paying more interest on that debt. So again, it's like we should have a conversation about how much you want to pay each month, but as much of it as you can keep in a variable rate mortgage or a fixed rate mortgage, you know, that's a point to a point and a half on three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You know, you're almost five thousand bucks mm-hmm. um, in in annual interest savings between a variable rate mortgage. And a home equity line of credit
0: see that's the value of this show guys is that i think most of us i know most of us go through life paying off this thing we never think twice about it it's just a monthly payment that comes out and we don't think about all the possibilities and all the maze and you know when you said during the last show 75 percent of people break a five-year lease I was like, no that's a crazy big amount but you can also see how it's absolutely in the bank's interest to play this game based on just that statistic alone
1: yeah I, the whole idea of 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 breaking your mortgage too in most cases we should be breaking our mortgages right we should be relooking like break talk, them break them all break them break them that's what we talk. that's what we talk about here is when you know when we constantly stay in, cl- in touch with our clients you know um we we know exactly when the right moment to break your mortgage is. Staying in that mortgage for five years is usually ends up in a loss of some sort.
2: Maybe we should just instead of saying we're breaking our mortgages, we should just say we're bettering our mortgages. Ooh. Maybe that yeah. like nomenclature mm. might work better
1: going Ooh. forward. I like that. Oof, I think Oof. we're Oof. Onto something. <laughs> Tina, what do you think? <laughs> Oof. Tina's but, gone.
0: Let's better your mortgages. Yeah. Tina's gone because she knows we're unfortunately out of time.
2: Really oh, enjoyed no. this. Something really Justin and I the show. never Justin, I want out. to say
0: thank you so much for <laughs> for joining us. Today. <laughs> Seriously, Principal Broker Justin Turner, founder CEO of Connect, Marcus Affairs. Guys, thank you so much as always.